Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, October the 31st, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com, and you can also get us over at Fansided, our podcasting partners. Love those guys. Check out RisingApple.com as well. Well, happy Halloween, everybody. I don't know if you've been out trick-or-treating, but it's late here on Halloween night, and uh, hoping whatever you did this weekend, you had a good time. And you've had a couple of weeks in a row where I had a guest co-host. No guest co-host tonight. I just wanted to come to you. And to be truthful, there's really not a heck of a lot to talk about in Mets land. If you really want to look at the week in New York sports this week, uh, a lot of NBA, uh, obviously a big win for the Jets on this Sunday with uh, a new quarterback. You know, the Giants are the Giants. They're going to be playing on Monday night. I'm sure most of you are in a fantasy football league. Maybe you're getting the NHL season heated up. And uh, baseball, unless you're in Atlanta or Houston... And really, if there's any example of baseball becoming a a regional sport, I mean, think about the fact that, 
I mean, how many people here in New York are really, really, even hardcore baseball fans, myself included, are you really engaged in the World Series to the level you want to be? Maybe popping in here or there, but that's another story, another topic for another day. But on Halloween, where there's ghosts and goblins and scary things out there, and maybe you're watching a scary movie while you're listening to this uh, show, you know the thing that scared me the most this week? What scared me the most this week is the media in this town because the overall handling or reporting of this general manager or president of baseball operations search is borderline childish. And I know our friend Devin Gordon, author of the book So Many Ways to Lose, was on here last week and threw a little curveball at us and said, hey, when teams are not transparent, it looks like an Andy Martino who gets a lot of criticism and has been the only one that's in the sphere of reporting this balanced and accurately, says that the Mets have gone underground. You know, I think of what Devin said about, well, if a team is hiding their search, usually when they hide their search, there's something bad going on in the background. And it's a fair point, but if you see how the media handled everything with the Mets pretty much since the day Jared Porter and that horrible uh, information came down back last, uh, what was it, January, right after New Year, they immediately got what they wanted. After 60 days or so of praising the Mets and giving Steve Cohen on honeymoon, they went back to saying, you know what, this is what we were waiting for. We want the Mets to not only be a disaster, but we want them to be a disaster with a wealthy owner who is another incarnation of George Steinbrenner, but the bad George Steinbrenner from the 80s, and maybe even a little bit of Jim Dolan in there and Woody Johnson. And oh, I mean, you could just see it's, for lack of a better word, and kiddies, put your earmuffs on if you're in the car listening to this with your uh, your mom and your dad. It's, it's a, a wet dream for these guys. It really is. And you saw it this week because if you're listening to this show, and you believe that Steve Cohen is using Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, as a point person for this search, you don't belong here. If you think the brokers at his firm, Point72, are at the table making decisions, you don't belong here. If you actually believe that Sandy Alderson would stick around as a figurehead and be pushed to the background and do El Zippo after all the trash and garbage he put up with under the Wilpon ownership, that he be regulated to that at this point in his career, the check better be really good for him to do that. Maybe that's maybe there's a kernel of truth to that. You, But you don't belong here if you really know what the kind of person Sandy Alderson is. If you read the book by Steve Ketman, if you've even paid attention to the man, this show isn't for you. For those who are ready to listen, this show is for you. Because I don't have any inside information about the Mets GM search, President of Baseball Operations, whatever. But I do know kind of, and I've told you this in the past, the kind of person that I want. I want someone who has a scouting background, a really good scouting background. I do believe they need to have a healthy component of analytics, but I think they, the scouting and analytics blend and more of a heavy lean towards scouting would be my desire. I think you need a person, like I said before, that understands what they're getting into here. The yolk around the neck of this team, the firestorm and the peripheral distractions that is that are created by a paranoid and pessimistic fan base a childish and 
bitter and vindictive media. And the fact that across town, they have this iconic franchise that has really raised the bar in not only success in, in baseball, but in all of sports, a bar that even they have not been able to hit, uh, meet the needs of the media's uh, demands for two decades, a bar they set. So that person is coming into a situation very similar, as I've said, to the Red Sox in 2000, where you're expecting to lose even when things go well and when you have good teams, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and nobody believes it'll ever happen. So failure is a very high probability. It's a risky job. It could make you, but it sure as heck could break you. Granted, I think you'll make a lot of money and be pretty rich after success or failure. But a lot of people don't want to come into a situation and be tortured for four years, irregardless of the money. So when you think about that, that's who you want as a president of baseball operations, GM. And quite honestly... And Andy Martino said this. I don't know why the Mets make a big deal about the structure. I know that ideally you'd want to have a president and then a GM. But geez, Louise, you know, the way that baseball's gotten, it's it's like a Washington, D.C. bureaucracy. General manager, a baseball guy with an analytics staff, with a scouting department, with some assistant GMs. I mean, that's what it's about. It's about building a baseball team. You know, Alderson could do the business and he can kind of oversee the whole thing. It's like, you know, they have to set this whole vision. Your vision will be set by winning. Everybody knows what it takes to win. So I think it gets a little bit overblown where you kind of wanted to have this guy come in. Similar to how Parcells and Riley and Belichick and all these big names. And those guys are coaches. But in a lot of ways, Riley and Parcells particularly had so much influence. They were almost like the president of baseball operations. You wanted that person to come in. And that person no longer is in the dugout. That person is in the front office up in the suites. Because ever since Moneyball, that's what sports has become. It's become about the guy at the top. When What, what I laugh about is everybody throws a fit when they hear about a, a an assistant GM in some town turning down the team. And it's like, you didn't know about that? I'm a big baseball guy. I didn't know about Matt Arnold until the other day. Did he have a good resume? Sure. Did he check off a lot of the boxes that I'm looking for from a standpoint of the next guy that could run this team? Absolutely. Am I crying because he didn't take the job for whatever reason? No. No. What's really important, though, before you even get into, you know, I just described the person that I want running this organization. And I have one name that's been talked about over the last week to 10 days, two weeks, that really stood out to me. And All you could go by is resumes on MLB.com on these team sites. I mean, that's all you could go by. Anybody who says that they know someone that says they're great, like who's going to give a recommendation about someone and say they're not great? It's a buddy system. It's a good old boys network in baseball. So let's get that straight. I know, I know a scout that I'm very tight with. A scout that uh, for uh, a team in the National League. And he tells me all the time certain names of guys. And he's weighed in on some of the names that have come out with the Mets search. He tells me they're great guys. They're this, they're that. You know, that doesn't mean that they're the perfect fit. But you know, who the hell is ever going to say a bad thing about someone in this sport that they're friendly with? What's really important, and this is the... And this really bothered me when I got an email, and I won't tell you which fan of the show sent me this because I want to keep it private because I don't know if he wants his name out there about what he said. But he sent me an email the other day when I was basically going on a rant on Twitter 
talking about, you know, the media really is out to get Cohen. They really want to spin a very uh, nefarious narrative. The Mets are incompetent. Everybody's saying no. There's this dysfunctional cabinet. I mean, it's, 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 it's not true. There's no way, and I don't know anything sourced. I'm telling you, that's not true. And if you go to uh, Mark Healy, our friend Mark Healy of Gotham Baseball, he was put out a great video on Twitter. He's basically telling you the same thing. It's not true. I don't need to have sources of information to know a guy worth $14 billion and the people that are covering him, which are maybe not even worth $14,000, all due respect, you're going to tell me that guy worth $14 billion is taking his $3 billion asset that he just paid for. Do the math. What's 3 into 14 if those numbers are all accurate? What percentage of his wealth is this team? And he's sitting around playing patty cake with brokers at .72 and Chris Christie, a former politician, to make big major decisions. I mean, think about what has been reported to you, to everybody. Think about how absurd that sounds. Do you think this guy became rich like that? The funny part about the media is they're now going out asking, or not asking, telling Steve Cohen, well, I have advice for you. They've been giving a gratuitous advice to Steve Cohen since the day it was rumored that he was going to take over the team. As if he needs them. I've yet to see any of them run a team, and I've yet to see a lot of their ideas come to fruition. And many of their ideas are horrible, and there's no accountability because guess what? They could just go with the flow with the next column when their idea blows up in the wind. And they're like, okay, well, this is where the wind is blowing. Let's talk about this now. I could do the same thing. I stand by when I'm wrong. That's a big difference. I don't just go, okay, let's let's forget I even said that and move forward. Media has become a reality TV show. It's scripting a narrative. That's what journalism is now. Because if you don't have a narrative, you don't have a reality TV component, it's not chaotic and sexy. And if it doesn't agitate you, it's not going to sell. Because we're in this Instagram, Facebook, 30-second video meme generation. It's here. It's not going away. It's insidious. It's destroyed so many things in this world, so I'm not going to be here to rail against it because a lot of it has been able to allow me to be here to talk to you, something I couldn't do 30 years ago, but they've done this with every single component of news, and if you're not paying attention, then I'm sorry, you're blind. They do it with politics. They've been doing it with your health for two years. They do it with sports, the candy store. Why wouldn't they? You think they're going to play around with important things like politics and health and they're not going to mess around in sports, which has zero uh, seriousness to the outcome. It doesn't impact your life negatively when it comes to the bigger picture. If you read any of the columns that have come out over the last few days, the New York Post, which had a collection of two or three, and I'm not going to throw you any names of the writers because I'm not going to sit here and, and, and call them out and hear the whining and complaining. You go do your own research. I'm not going to give them the credit that they think they deserve. The Daily News, that has been a joke for a while. Anytime that paper reports something, go and look at what was said by another writer. I guarantee you it's a regurgitation. It always is. They were called out on SNY, a podcast two years ago by Martino, where they basically took his reporting and made it their own. Look, I could hear something, call somebody that I know in baseball and say, Sources told Mike Silva, but I'm not going to do that because that's insincere. The Athletic, the same thing. The Athletic has had a, a been out to get Cohen since the Porter situation. 
They're a venture capital private equity company. They need as many subscribers as possible so they could sell that sucker to somebody, make a lot of money. How do you do that? With salacious reporting. Nobody's signing up for 60 bucks a year because I pay for it. I know how much it costs to uh, uh, see the velocity breakdown of Marcus Stroman. They're not doing it. So this was all planned out going into the offseason. Once the Mets season went up in smoke, and look, the media got the gift from the Mets. The Mets gave it to them. Their first hire flamed out because of an off-the-field incident. Their second hire flamed out because of an off-the-field incident. What's funny is that a media that talks about being compassionate has shown zero compassion about the guy drinking and potentially having an issue that we don't know about. We don't know if the guy has an issue. Nobody's talked about that. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's why they're phonies. So the narrative from the minute this thing went, season went over and this search started, was that nobody wants to come to the Mets because unless Epstein, Bean, or Stearns was taking the job, and it was highly unlikely that any of those guys were, this was set up. The, the, the road was greased. So the Mets decided, you know what? We ain't going to win here because every name that gets put out there, the fans are going to get hot and bothered for. The media is all of a sudden going to sit around and break them down. And when it doesn't happen, for whatever reason, all of a sudden now it's going to be spun a, a negative way. Plus, maybe they want to interview these guys so they don't get bothered. I mean, the last thing these guys want to do is go through an interview and have somebody from the from the Daily News, the Post, whatever, start poking around. Because now you got to do all this due diligence and look at every tweet and everything they said since grade school because some child that works for one of these papers is going to be offended. Because that's where it's at. Now we've got all these due diligences that are out there. So here's my advice. I've, I've just told you what the, the narrative is. The narrative has been written. And no matter what they do, it is going to be said that they don't know what they're doing. Nobody wants to work here. Whoever they hire is a C or D or E choice. Steve Cohen is incompetent. Steve Cohen is taking advice from the wrong people. Because guess what? You really think anybody really, really, really wants Steve Cohen to be successful? You think Major League Baseball is happy if Steve Cohen gets the perfect front office executive, the perfect manager, and then goes out and blows past the luxury tax on a CBA year, and then all of a sudden is a powerhouse you think Jerry Reinsdorf is happy? You think Mark Ananasio is happy out in Milwaukee? Think about it. In a lot of ways, a lot of these guys are friendly with Fred Wilpon. You think they're going to be happy that Fred, who had this jewel of a team and could never leverage it and could never, uh, you know, never get it to the point where they're one of the big boys. Anytime they got close to the club, something would happen. And usually it was because Fred, from day one when he got into this business back in 1980, was never really rich enough to be in this business. He was smart enough to kind of weasel his way in. And between getting 50% ownership and then taking the team from Nelson Doubleday, was able to use some creative methods, let's say, that and other people's money to get to where he's going to get. He was never rich enough to really be with the big boys. He knows that. But he's made a lot of money off of it. He's rich enough now. Let's put it that way. God bless him. Now, you know, can't can't hate the uh, the player, right? Hate the game. Is that the way it goes? But the, it's been spun the narrative already. It's 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 this is what it's going to be. So, buckle up 
accept it, and start to look at things with your own critical mind. There's nothing that I do when I come on to this program that you can't do. New York Post article that threw out Dan O'Dowd's name as one of the candidates. Speculation. Intellectual speculation. Maybe there's some sourcing. Well, yeah, Dan O'Dowd would be a great uh, candidate because you don't have no idea if he was he was he was ever interviewed. Like this happens every year, and, and the Mets because they have not found the right mix. They've had these managerial slash GM slash president of baseball operations searches now for the last five years. It looks like what was it, eighteen to nineteen, nineteen to twenty, twenty to twenty-one, yeah, twenty-one to twenty-two. So for the last five years. So every year it's the same people, the same cast of characters of the media that throw the dart and throw names out there for the manager of this. And you look like, where's that name coming from? Brian, the best was Brian Sabin's upset that the Mets aren't interviewing him. So even if they called now, he wouldn't even take the call and he'd be interviewed. Okay, Brian, I got a five-year, four, a four-year, $5 million a year contract waiting for you. You're interested in talking? I thought so. Come on. What is this, romperone? Maybe in the press box, that's how things go. Where guys will, by the way, guys will run over you for 50 bucks in there. If I offered 50 bucks for people to come on this thing, see how fast I'd have people lining up. Doesn't matter. I don't pay anybody to come on here, by the way. But what I'm saying is, it's funny how people, you know, have principles when it's other people's money. That's the way I look at it. But at the end of the day, nobody wants this guy to be successful. You know it, I know it, and that's what this yolk is. Now it's added to the yolk. You thought the money was going to make things easier. It did. All the money did was heighten the exposure to the Mets and heighten and have a lot more of the pitchforks pointed at them. So now you know why they went underground. Is due diligence a good thing? I never really agree. I know where Devin Gordon came last week and said, hey, Mike, you know, doesn't it bother you that there's this lack of transparency? And, you know, it really doesn't. I really don't think there's any benefit for the Mets publicly going out, listing eight to ten people, and then having each of these people be harassed over the next two to three weeks. And and hope, And I, I'm telling you, there's probably so much, and what's going to be really funny is when this is all said and done and the, and the candidate is announced, the, that, that person who they hire, it's not even going to be close to what you've been told over the last 30 days. Like the process is going to probably eventually come out and you can be like, wow, I didn't know that because they didn't want to tell you. And all the other stuff around that has really been, I'm not saying they're making it up. What they're doing is they're going around the league, taking informed speculation, and they're making it as close as they can to a sourced opinion disguised as news. They're doing nothing different than a barstool would do, that when I had NYBaseballDigest.com, I would do, and I used to get criticized for. Nothing different. That's what news is now. Part of that is you are shut out of the locker room. The other part of that is that teams have shut down the pipeline. They don't want to be bothered with it. The other part is you have this new generation of young and their politics lean a certain way, and all they want to do is go out there and get what they see as a bunch of rich white men that they hate. Let's call it like it is. So the reporting is going to reflect that. And if you don't think the Daily News reporting reflected that, connect the dots there, people. It's the world we live in. Can't complain about it, but I want you to be aware of it. Not complaining, making you aware of it. Very disappointed in Bill Madden over there. Bill Madden's been on the show. He wrote a hit piece on Cohen, which basically is a regurgitation of every silly narrative that's out there. 
Bill's better than that. I mean, he lived through the chaos of Steinbrenner. I think they actually want that back. I think that's part of the charm of Cohen. Like, they want him to be Steinbrenner. Because guess what? When the Yankees were bad, they were really good press. And they were really good press in the late 90s when they won four out of five. And they were really good press, though, after that when they didn't win, when they had A-Rod and all that stuff. They became kind of boring there for a while uh, at different periods because, you know, what is really fun to report about a functional, in, at least from the reporting, a functional analytics-driven organization? It's not fun. What's fun is with George firing a manager, rehiring the manager, firing the manager again. So... Then I go to, and, you know, like I said, this is not going to be a long show. This is pretty pretty much be a monologue because I, I just want to get the point out here. I told you what I'm looking for with the president of baseball operation or GM, and it sounds like they're kind of going to push away from that president of baseball operations because that's a big title, and I think that's a different type of guy to bring in, and they're going to go for a GM. And uh, look... I looked at a lot of the resumes of some of the guys that have come out there. You know, Matt Arnold, he was a professional scout. Um, he had a connection to Tampa Bay. He has financial planning, arbitration, analytics. Big part of that is the scouting aspect. Peter Bendix, player evaluation in there. Um, Michael Gersh, he was, uh, you know, more of an analytics base. That's the guy from St. Louis. Scott Harris. I know these guys are not coming here, but just look at the names and the profile of the guys that are in contract negotiations, analytics. Again, most of them all have heavy player development and uh, scouting background. And I, and I laugh because I'm going to get to the one thing that got me in trouble on Twitter is that, and this is where you, you know that nobody on Twitter, media, independent media, knows bupkis about business. So it comes. It turns out that the executive VP, assistant general manager of the Red Sox, Raquel Ferreira, is a name that's thrown out there. Okay, she's a woman. Off the bat, you know, that's different, right? And that's historic because you only have one female GM and a new, another female GM in New York. The second one would be an historic thing. It's funny, when Omar Minaya took over, Hispanic GM, I didn't remember it being as big of a deal and uh, I guess it was a different time, right? Today, maybe not so much. But I made a comment about this candidate saying, I just don't see that as the person, as the fit, because there's no scouting background. There's no player development background. She largely has done, over her 20-year career, administrative-type jobs. And I'm not saying she's a secretary, but hear me out. When a GM has a cabinet, Think about Sandy Alderson when he had J.P. Ricciardi and Paul D. Podesta and John Ricco. J.P. was kind of the scout and the player development guy. P. Podesta was more the analytics guy. And John Ricco was the administrator. What does that mean? I'll tell you because I talked to a player who did contracts with Sandy. Sandy would negotiate the contract and Ricciardi would work out the paragraph two details. The bonuses, the this, the that, you know, all the things they could do. And because he was in the commissioner's office, he was really good at knowing what works and what doesn't. Doesn't mean that you're not qualified and you haven't been successful in the game. Not necessarily the, the characteristics that make a complete enough resume where you could be a number one. It's just simple as that. And I'm sorry. Just because she's a woman, and I mean this with all due respect, that doesn't do it for me. 
And the fact that everybody was ready to say, oh, this is a great hire, you know, that, well, that tells me that you're no different than another corporate empty suit that just wants to put people in positions because they check off a box, which really diminishes the work of that person. And last I look, the GM of a baseball team is pretty important. And this is a pretty valuable asset where you're not exactly just throwing somebody into a sales position to fill a quota. And I don't think Ferreira would like being just put in because of a quota. I think she'd done a lot in this game where she deserves better. Now, I'm not saying she shouldn't be interviewed, and maybe I'm missing a lot about her, and that's fine, but I'm going by the information in front of me. Not as good of a resume as Matt Arnold. It has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman and he's a man. Nothing. So I'm going to get that out there. I got into hot water on Twitter. You want to cancel me? You want to complain to Fansided? I promised everybody when I took this gig and partnered with Fansided I wasn't going to change. And I, and I will go back to saying I have had said nothing wrong. I've been brutally honest. And I have not disrespected anybody. God bless this woman who's been 20 years with an iconic franchise. Great, great re- uh, reference from Theo Epstein. But I'm sorry. I need to see more. That resume in comparison to what you need, especially for this team where it is right now in this town... It's just not enough. Again, maybe I'm missing something. But to just say this is a great hire or this is the person because of their gender, it's all that's wrong in the world today. And it's making its way into sports, and it does. It drives me crazy because at least sports was still a meritocracy. When sports stops becoming a meritocracy, and there's always been politics and BS and baseball where the meritocracy goes out the window, we know that. We know that. But still, in most ways, for the most part... If you can help a team win, they're not going to care. Trust me on this, they're not going to care. Because they want to win, and they want to win bad, and it's very competitive. So who do I want to see kind of rounding this all out here? I gave you kind of my rant and rave about the media and some of the things that some of the other candidates, and then I defended myself against the tweeties about why I didn't think Raquel Ferreira was an all that impressive candidate by the standards that I've set for who I want to see. Well, I'll tell you, and so far, you know, Steve Cohen's friend out there in Tampa uh, doesn't like giving the Mets permission. At least that's what we heard. So Carlos Rodriguez, who's the vice president of player development international scouting, uh, is one of the names that I think has been very impressive. He's been with them over a decade. He's worked under Eric Neander, a very successful organization, and he's got a ton of experience in analytics scouting, running an academy, um, done a lot of work in Latin America, has signed a, uh, uh, a bunch of key players that you could point out to, Wander Franco, uh, Ronaldo Hernandez, um, Diego Castillo, I mean, on and on and on and on. I mean, look, you want to talk about a great story? Here's a native of Puerto Rico coming into a very diverse market who very well might be taking over a team that's linchpins, a couple of Puerto Rican players in Lindor and Baez. I mean, great story. He's got an economics degree, international. This is a this is the guy. That's a resume, man. All due respect. I mean, that's better than Arnold's, if you ask me. That's the guy. And I'm not interviewing anybody. And I think he interviewed for the Cubs job and he got permission for that. And he didn't get it. So we're not in these interviews. We don't know. But you know now what I'm looking for. And it doesn't matter, you know, I think that the Mets 
are not. I mean, I'd love to see an experienced name out there. Uh, I'm not anti uh, Sabin or any of these big names, but I could see Cohen's reluctance to go backwards. That's why when I heard Doug Melvin's name, I'm like, Ugh. you know, the game is changing quick. We started this show in 2016. And GMs and managers and the kind of desired candidates that we'd be talking about just five years ago put those same names today. They're dinosaurs. That's in five years. Baseball has almost become like computers and technology where your iPhone goes stale in 12 months. Time flies quick. And maybe it's a bad thing, and and I certainly think some of it's bad, but it's a young man's game. Doug, Doug Melvin talked about that. It's a game of Harvard, Ivy League, economics guys. But I think, you know, you could get somebody who's smart in that aspect of the game with a strong scouting background and the kind of money that Cohen has had. And remember, they've already built some infrastructure. You know, it's not like a year ago where they went nothing. The Mets have built things up. Their analytics department, I thought, was a big component of why they were such a good defensive team all year. And they have money. So if you ask me, and, you know, I think all of us are throwing the, the, the dart at the board, Carlos Rodriguez is a great candidate, and he'd be the guy out of all the names I've heard. He's been the most impressive, in my opinion, and he comes from the right organization. And I don't care what his gender is. I don't care what his race is. I think he's solid, and that's all I'm looking for. And all this other garbage that gets thrown out there in the media, it's just white noise, and it means nothing. And if that's where this is going, where we got to fit the right candidate with the right profile, the right gender, the right politics, then you might as well pack up because you're going to be a second division club and you're never going to win. Then you might as well be a Washington, D.C. bureaucratic division. Washington, D.C. business loses all the time because it's not real world. They play business. This is real business. There's some people who play business and there's some people who are in real business. This is a real business, not a play business. So you can't play the patty cake that politics plays in a business where there's no accountability and the money just gets printed. Money, The wins don't get printed here. Just because you hire a female GM doesn't give you a 10-game lead over the Braves to start the year. I hope you know that. Some people, I think, forgot about that. Anyway, that's all I have for you. I'm probably going to get myself in trouble with this show. I don't care. Call fan-sided. Call those great folks. I love them. I said nothing wrong. You want to cancel me? I don't care. I continue to tell everybody this. I do this because I love it. I love to make a few bucks, and I have made a few bucks, and I'm very uh, appreciative of that. But I will never, ever come to do this and be under the constraints that I see a lot of these major media personalities being under. And they have to be. They have multi-million dollar contracts because then it's not fun anymore. And at that point, it's time to pack it up. So where do we go from here? Well, if you haven't trick-or-treated yet, you better get out there. It's getting late here on a Sunday. We may have a World Series champion by uh, the end of, uh, well, probably not the day, probably to the wee hours of the morning, and it might be the Atlanta Braves. And then the real fun starts as, will things heat up with the Mets search this week? You have five days, five days till after the World Series ends to make uh, qualifying offers. Will those players, Comforto, Syndergaard, Baez, well, Baez can't get one from the Mets, Will they take those qualifying offers? Will the bias sweepstakes heat up? We don't know. This is going to be one of the most interesting off-seasons ever. And I'll tell you, I'm going to be here no matter what to look at it with you. Because, 
you got the CBA, and you might not have much of a hot stove, at least at the beginning of the offseason. So it might be a little tricky how we're going to do this. But I think at some point it's going to get fascinating, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. And I don't think the decisions are going to be easy. And I think there are going to be decisions that come down that are going to blow your mind. And the fun part is, is we're going to be here to talk about it and debate it. And the community is continuing to grow. And I get more positive emails. And every time I say something that people try to use to hurt me or uh, cancel me, we just grow and get stronger. And that's I continue to believe that's what will happen. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. We are now on Amazon Music. Of course, you could also email me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Check out our buddies over at RisingApple.com. Check our buddies over at Fansided, the podcast network. Tons of great podcasts. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Happy Halloween. Stay safe out there. Be well. And we'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.